welcome to SED. I'm your host, Jane Dagme, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. SED covers the wonderful industry of interior design from various, often eclectic, angles. At its most literal, SED is the spoken complement to what's written in the pages of our magazine. Esoterically speaking, SED, S-A-I-D, stands for Something About Interior Designers. In a nutshell, the podcast is devoted to the ongoing curiosity and admiration we have for these diverse, passionate, and often quirky individuals. SED celebrates the way they think, work, live, and define themselves. Enough said. Let's get into our show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, my guest is Robin Barron, a Manhattan-based interior designer who has been in the business for 30 years. During that time, in addition to cultivating a robust roster of clients, designing a Robin Barron-branded line of home furnishings, and participating in industry associations and events, she has most recently launched an e-com platform for the end consumer as well as for the trade. I was eager to talk to Robin about RobinBarronDesign.com and the road leading up to this rather ambitious endeavor. As you listen to Robin, one thing you will surely pick up on is that Robin is a woman of action and spirit. A true creative, Robin shows interiors over fashion when she determined that she could have a bigger impact in the world by empowering people through their homes. Her belief system does not include the word can't, but rather she sees each challenge as how. How can I make that happen? About a year or so ago, I wrote a column about industry relationships, and while there are so many heartwarming stories among us, one of the relationships I chose to delve into was one between Robin Barron and her bestie, Stephen Favreau of Favreau Design. I asked Robin and Stephen a bunch of questions about one another. Here is what Stephen said about the first time meeting Robin at a trade event. My first impression of Robin was that she was direct, in control, very friendly, and really good at being in charge. She was leading a group around the conference, pointing out what's new and exciting. She led them to my booth with a seemingly over-the-top excitement and enthusiasm that I came to understand is in her DNA. The red hair, the glasses, all dressed in black with big jewelry and bigger than life. I also asked Stephen, who is this person for you? And here's what he said about Robin. Robin is the first person, after my fiancé Dennis, that I think of when I have good news, feel down, or need advice. I rely on Robin for personal and professional advice. She is consistent and present always. We finish each other's thoughts and sentences. And then, this is the best. I asked Stephen to tell me of Robin's story, and he told me about the second time that they met. I brought my then-new boyfriend, Dennis, with me to New York City. I asked Robin to meet us for lunch. While we were waiting for Robin to arrive, Dennis and I were sitting across from one another, and Dennis offered an idea, a sort of experiment. He said, Let's see where Robin sits. If she sits beside you, she is looking for the comfort of sitting beside someone she already knows. If she sits beside me, We will know that her heart is open. She is considerate of making someone new feel comfortable and that she is open to meeting new people. Well, you guessed it. She sat beside Dennis. That experiment wholly describes Robin. I love that story. And I thank Stephen for sharing. 
And now I am excited to share my conversation with Robin Barron. Thanks so much for being here. I hope you enjoy. All right. Hi, Robin Barron. How are you? I'm good, Jane Dagme. How have you been? (laughs) I have been super busy. How about you? Yeah, very, very busy. Very busy. Surprisingly so given COVID, but like really intensely busy. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, okay, so there's some big changes that that happened with you very late last year, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to, we need to back up because yes, um, yes. for everybody that's listening, just, I want to know, and for myself, because, you know, I don't, we haven't yet had a sleepover where I get to drill you about in your past entirely. So <laughs> that, that will come one day. Yes, it will. <laughs> but I'd like you to talk a little bit about your journey to interior design and how you how you got here. Wow. Okay. We're going way back because, you know, th- this past year um, was my 30th year with my design firm. So um, it, we would have celebrated except it was COVID. So that was a little tough. So I've been um, in interior design for a long time, but my journey is probably not unlike, you know, many people's journey. I, I actually knew since I was nine years old and I have compositions, papers, they used to call them compositions, writing about me being a designer. I wanted to be a fashion designer and an interior designer. And I do have proof since nine years old. <laughs> so um, I did start my professional journey very young as a, des- as a, a fashion designer. I was in school for fashion design and interior design. I was like, you know, sort of going between them. And I was in a class one day with somebody else, a guy who was actually selling I was living in LA at that time and he was selling um, like Lehman Marcus and Giorgio's and these really great stores. And I just took one look at him and his designs and I said, dang, you know, if he could do it, I could do it. And I literally went out the next day to the fashion district, rented a space and started a company. (laughs) So you were designing clothing. Yes. I designed clothing first. And, um, when I moved back to New York, because I am a native New Yorker, I moved back to New York a few years later. Um, I really, um, you know, fashion's a tough world. You know, five or six collections a year, a lot of stress, it's sort of fleeting. And I'd always loved interior design. I'm leaving out a little piece of it where I did I did um, do some design assisting for a very well-known designer in LA at that time, uh, simultaneously sort of with that. Um, and when I came back, I, I didn't enjoy it because I really... I think I was too young in retrospect to understand the workings of relationships, relationships between a couple who may be married, money. I, you know, you, you need a little bit of life experience and maturity to handle that in our business. That's so I, I, it's why I really focused on fashion, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to New York, um, I, I really was a little bit less enamored with fashion, still had my, my burning passion for interior design. And to make a very long story short, because it's much more complicated than that, uh, than I'm saying right now, but I decided to go into, go back to classes at Parsons and um, of course, start my own company. And I started my own company while I was learning and and I never looked back. Okay. So uh, thank you. A couple of questions um, as you were talking. So this idea that you saw somebody, you know, selling to selling in the fashion industry and you said, I can do that. And you just did it. Like who taught you that? I mean, is, is that just, how did you know that, that you could do it? I, I, it's such a funny question because I always felt growing up 
very different than my family. Like I'm a different, from a different planet sort of. Uh, my father was an entrepreneur with his own business. Um, so I think that that part of that drive comes from seeing him, but I, I, I don't know really where it came from. I, I, I was sort of born with that. I think, you know, just knowing that I was different and knowing that I could do it, just whatever it is, whatever it is, I can do it. (laughs) You know that, I mean, you know, and if you don't have all the answers, you can ask for help and that's not like, you know, who to go to is often and and being resourceful in that way. You know, I I think you come off as a resourceful woman. Thank you. I I think that that's a really big key is that, you know, so much of life, is being resourceful, looking at the problem and just solving it. You know, it's not a pediment. It, it's not an impediment. It's 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 a it's an opportunity. And it does bring us back when we get to talking about the year of COVID, which has been just horrendous for everyone. But I, I took a challenge and I made it an opportunity. And I think that's sort of like an innate thing within me. It's like an inner Bowie that keeps me above the waterline always. Um, I don't know where it really comes from, but I, I know that I see things as, you know, ha- look at things as how to solve them, not just what they are, but what they can be. And I think I, I've been doing that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So in, in fashion, I know that um, at some point in your career, you started a family. Did you start your family in fashion or in design? Oh, totally in design. I was I was already an interior design. It was sort of, a, well, I should step back. I tried to start a have a family when I was still doing fashion, um, but it w- didn't work out as well. And by the time I was able to actually start my family, uh, it was almost simultaneous to doing interior design. You know, it was almost, it was in the same period of time. <laughs> Take on as much as you yeah. can, right? <laughs> my, my kids are in their 20s, so I actually could do the math. <laughs> yes, but, yes. Um, but it was it was sort of you know just really before they they I, I started the family, but I had been trying for quite a while. So you didn't. So when you were in LA, you you did work with um, you did work with somebody in interior design. But when you came yeah. back to New York, you didn't. You did you intern or do anything with anybody else, or just go for your own business? You know, by the time I came, when I came back to New York, I really thought I was going to stay in fashion, and it wasn't the first year of being back in New York that I realized. Oh my God, do I really want this? You know, it, it's just, I, I find, I, I didn't find it as um, fulfilling. It was fun, but working in interiors, you're really affecting people's lives. And I think it was interesting. I was speaking to someone yesterday and it, it's, they pointed this out and it's really true. You know, I love business. I love business and I love the challenges and I love everything that goes along with business. But what really drives me is not money. What I come to life is when I'm talking about helping people and affecting people's lives. And I want everyone to really be happy. You know, my vehicle is the home, but my message is really about empowering people. So that's when I get excited and, and, and animated. You know, the money's great. We all want to have money and a lot of money, but that's never been my driver. And so um, I think that comes through when I when I when I was making that transition into interior design, it just felt like there was more opportunity to make an impact in people's lives. So <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. And when you went to Parsons, did you go, did you take most of your classes at Midtown or where? Yeah. Oh no. Um actually in, at that time it was more the village. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It was the Fifth Avenue um campus. So I was in Parsons. 
Uh, but I was taking mostly at Midtown, I think exclusively there from 1990, probably 90 to 93 or I don't know, 89 to 92. Did we cross over at all? You know, maybe for a year or so, I'm trying to remember, maybe it was Midtown. You know, I, I, I hate to say I don't remember because I remember so many things. I have a really good memory, but you know, I that was, was convenient for me. I, I mean, was young, I was very young then, and it was definitely like a fun time too. So I can't remember what campus it was. <laughs> I remember I used to work in public relations on Forty Third East Forty Third. So I used to leave at five o'clock and just like walk so quickly across the <laughs> west side, grab an iced coffee from a deli. <laughs> <laughs> and sit in my decorative arts class and the lights would go down. And the first 10 minutes, I would always snooze. You know, I just, <laughs> it was like cool and dark and I would take a nap and, and wake up and pay attention. Robin, I want to see, um, I'm going to bug you after this, but I would love to see if you still have your compositions from when you. Oh, you know what I do? I do. I have it somewhere. Um, I've got to find it. My parents, you know, obviously moved out of their old house and, and I believe I have it. It's either in my hands or my sister's. <laughs> well, at some point when you're, you know, going through things, when you do come across it, just have that like, oh, Jane, Jane would like to see that. Yes, okay. yes, absolutely. All right. <laughs> so so in business for 30 years, having your own design firm, I'd love you to share a little bit about some of the, the peaks in that, in, in your business, and then some of the not so great um, parts. Sure. Well, I think that, um, you know, when I think back to when I started, um, you know, you just have to dive in. You know, I had no experience doing homes and I just presented like I did. You know, you have to have the confidence, you know, well, what do they say? You know, you have to, I always make say, you, you make it. Yes. Thank you to you. Make it you have to be the job you want. So that was, you know, an interesting um, experience starting to build the business, it really just came to me. I actually was president of the board of my co-op in New York City. And so people and so when I people had always been asking me to please, even in fashion, please, can you do my interior? Can you do my home? Please, can you do this? And when I started to do it little by little, I was president of the board. And so people in the building started to come to me and do their 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 apartments. So it became like a really um, easy transition like literally a year I in a year I had I had a business my real estate broker asked me to do some work and the in-house designer of the the in-house designer and my real estate broker asked me to do some of her clients and the next thing you know really literally I had a business and I remember one of the 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 wildest things it was for me at the time was another real estate broker came to me to do um a a very big job a very big job for a well-known person and I remember being so nervous, being so nervous to meet them, being nervous to give them a contract, to ask for a retainer. Like it was the biggest project I'd ever done. And I couldn't come in there as a small, you know, person. I had to come in and meeting them right at, at where they were at. So I just did. I took a deep breath. I dove in and I faked it till I made it. And, and I mean, it was a great project, fantastic project. It was exciting for me. It was creative. And, and I really did do a fantastic job. But it, that was a really big leap for me. I rem- I'll never forget that because it was really going from like just starting a business to a major project. And um, 
So that that was definitely a highlight. Um, I, I think the the biggest challenges for me is, um, you know, I'm very ambitious, ambitious, Jane. I've always wanted to have a very big platform and do something big and have and be able to really empower people through their home. That's really been my driver. And I have tried several times. And when I had children, my son is very high functioning, but on the spectrum, the autistic spectrum. And so uh, he's fantastic and, and, and so high functioning and really in a great place now. But growing up, it was very challenging. And um, I really had to put everything that I wanted for myself sort of on a back burner. I kept my business, but I couldn't really aspire to what I wanted to because, you know, I, I always say when I speak, you know, anyone who told us women that we could have it all lied. Okay. <laughs> we can't. We can if we if we if we have it at different times and and in a different balance. But having it all at once, that's really a lie. You can't. I couldn't do what I wanted to do in business and really be there for my family the way I had to be. You know, I had a responsibility to be and I wanted to be. So I think that that was for me a very big challenge for quite a few years is is wanting to do more and, and like just feeling it and like pushing it and and really knowing that I can't do that because I had other priorities. I don't regret it one bit, but it, it, it was definitely a challenge that I worked with, which is why I'm doing it now. <laughs> I've talked to a couple younger designers who uh, have young families now, and they feel like interior design affords them flexibility um, as, a, as a mom, you know, to, to book you know, to to take as much work and where as little work as possible. And perhaps those people have are not single mothers, you know. Um, but did you I mean, I know you said that it's kind of stopped you a little bit from doing, you know, getting out as much as you wanted to. But, you know, um, were you like on a crazy schedule, like working crazy hours just to fit it in, whatever you had? Well, it's a really good question because I, I don't want to make it seem like I stopped my interior design firm. I did not. I was still full, full hog into it. I had a full staff. I took on big projects, celebrities, all kinds of different things. Um, I was completely like, you know, committed to my business in a big way. The, the, the thing that, that I couldn't do is I couldn't go out there and do talks, TV, public things, travel. I couldn't do the bigger picture. I couldn't drive myself to where I wanted to go publicly to, to increase the business. Got it. Um, but I had a significant design firm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, oh, yeah. No, totally. Like, the, the, you know, you had a business and that was your business. But the, the expansion, the, the, the different facets, developing those. I know. I totally get it. I totally right. get it. If, you, if you're going to be... And, you know, I was I was flexible in it was flexible for me in that I lived in the city and it was my business. So if my kids needed me at school, if they, if they you know, anything happened during the day, I was available. But I definitely had a nanny pick up the kids from school. I didn't pick them up every day. But when they got home uh, for a long time, my office was in. It's interesting. My office was in my home. I had a separate floor. I was lucky to have a, a big place. And I had a separate floor. That was my office. And that was great. But they were little and they always wanted me. So I moved out to 57th Street into an office, which was great because it was right near their schools and everything else. And it was perfect. And um, but I I have subsequently moved back into another another home, but with another floor. That's my office. 
and my kids are older and and they're yes they're still back in with me <laughs> calling me all day and coming downstairs and you know all of that um but i i think that it's it's a hard balance if you if you are going to be there to pick up your kids from school and really you know be there when they get home from school and really do that then um you're really working part time you know you have to make a decision i did not work part time i worked full time but but i i always had um I, I, I still was always there when I needed to be and when I had to be and, you know, for my children for all kinds of different reasons. It was, you know, it was um, a big commitment because there was a lot of supports going on. Yeah. And I didn't need the help of a nanny. I could not have done it. Um, I couldn't have done it unless I had help. Got it. And you were, um, I want to talk about your time with ASID and you were the president of the New York chapter, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So just would you speak a little bit about like what that did sort of for your career, for your person and the value of belonging to organizations? Yeah, another good question, Jane. Um, First of all, I think that I'm going to start with organizations in general. You know, industry organizations, I think, are very important. They're critical for many, many different reasons for uh, the ability to connect with other peers, to be able to make um, connections and network with vendors and and other people that are not designers that can also help your career along the way. Um, You never know how somebody can affect your career when meeting them. It could be anything from someone who's editor magazine to a vendor that you end up doing a licensing deal with to having peers that that can support you. Um, And I think having the peer support is really critical. None of us know everything. And even if we do know things, the experience affects us in different ways, and it's good to play off of other people and getting get feedback, and um, and create opportunities together. Whether it's speaking opportunities, whether they're in, you know conjunction with a show that you can you can you can um, develop relationships with. There are many many different reasons to do an, an organization like that. And um, because I feel that way, when I was asked to be um, president of the New York chapter, I jumped at it because I always think, and this is true for all the charities and things that I'm involved with as well. If you can make, if you know that you could make a difference, you have to, that's what part of what drives me. And I knew that I could make a difference. ASID um, New York chapter at that time wasn't so active. It wasn't very vibrant or as relevant, you know, and I really felt that um, if I believe that these organizations can help us, professionally, then I, I, I couldn't say no to it. And so I spent my time doing what I do best, being social and public and, and, and bringing people in and, and making it fun and, and, and giving some life to it. And I think that um, it sort of was a, was a big shift for, for the chapter here in New York at that time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that, um, you know, you, you make the position you can make the position what you want. I'm sure there are certain things you have to do, but like, I'm, I'm sure that you went over and beyond. Um, yeah. Did it take a lot of time from your schedule to be oh like, <laughs> it took so much time. My whole staff was so happy when it was over. Cause it's a two year gig. You're one year, you're the president elect and you're the president. And it's an enormous amount of time. It's an enormous amount of time, but you know, everything in life, Jane takes a commitment and, you know, I make a commitment. I keep a commitment, you know, that's like, I like commitment. I like diving in and, and all I, 
you know, I take them seriously. So um, I knew what I was getting into. My staff did not. (laughs) Hey, listeners, it's Jane Dagmy, Editor-in-Chief of Designers Today. I'm so glad you found our podcast. Did you also know that we print our magazine eight times a year and mail it to your home or office? Yes, interior design professionals can request a complimentary subscription by simply going to designerstoday.com and clicking on the button at the top that says subscribe. It's that simple. And while you're there, if you hit the newsletter tab, you can sign up for our weekly news as well as that of our sister publications. And now back to our show. I'm a member of a uh, support, like like a, um, an accountability support group here in New York of designers called Design Share, some 15 of the top firms in the city. And we meet every month, except during COVID, of course, it's been a little different. But what's fantastic about that, each one is a very established design firm and designer. We all have, you know, we need advice. We have situations. And just to have that support, to be able to email or call and say, oh, my God, this happened. What do you think? Nobody knows everything. And nobody is an island, you know, unto themselves. So having accountability groups, support groups, you know, industry organizations, I I think that really addresses the human side of what we do, having connection and support. So I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah, no, I I totally um, all these groups that have been formed um, fascinate me, and I, I'd like to be a fly on the wall in a lot of them. You know, just listen oh my because you know just to hear. And I've 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 been invited into one or two, but just to hear what's on your minds because that's what I want to discuss in the magazine. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make it relevant yeah. for what's what's happening with you. So. So talking about surrounding yourself with people that can, you know, can help and boost and and like-mindedness. I want to talk about um, at what point in your business, I want to talk about Yudi, your, your VP <laughs> and when he came in and, and so, yeah, what, tell me about Yudi. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So Yudi, it's a great story and a great example for people. Okay. Yudi came into my life nine years ago. He came in, um, I was looking for an intern and a vendor of mine, um, Yudi was working there and I needed some, it was it was a tile store and I needed some tiles and the salesperson gave Yudi the tiles and said, listen, I want you to go and deliver this to Robin Barron and I want you to hand it only to her because you never know what connection. I know she's looking for someone and he had just graduated design school and and so he came to my job site he came with the tiles and I met him that day and I and I decided to give him a chance at that meeting as an intern. So Yudi started with me nine years ago as an intern. And I always tell anyone I hire, you be the job you want. Do not expect me to turn around and 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 raise you in title or in, in salary if you're not already doing the job you want. You know, like I'm you can't wait to do it. You have to show that fire in you. And Yudi did right from the get-go. And um, he just raised up raised up in the ranks. I turned around. He was there. He was always there. He, he himself decided that he was going to be indispensable to me. And that's what happened. 
I didn't ask him to be. He created his job every step of the way. So he became design director. He became now he's vice president. I've never had a vice president of the company. He created every role that he's played. And um, and so he is indispensable. He has now, which we'll get to the new business. I know that. But he is. I'm going to make him a partner in, in, the, in the new business because he has really put his heart and soul into it. I couldn't have done it without him. Um, and, um, I think that I've been really blessed and lucky to have beauty. It's, it's a rare thing to have someone that, that is ambitious and smart and, and, and just a can do person, anything and everything that it takes. And he's always been there to do that. doesn't matter what it is. He does it. And he's really running the whole back end of the new business. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's like <laughs> makes my heart like feel and just hearing how you describe the relationship and who he is to you. Um, so with him, you know, as far as your product development and and your branded product, you've done a lot of that. I mean, you've got hardware, lighting, furniture, rugs. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, it's case goods and upholstery. The furniture is just split between the two. Yeah. Again, you were like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, like I'm not going to, you know, (laughs) wait for like to sign papers in a big, you know, licensing deal. I'm just going to do it. I've got ideas. I want to get done. So for, for other designers who are thinking I can design rugs, I can do this just a little from your experience. um, What should they know? Okay. First of all, it is not for the faint hearted. You can guarantee that anything that I do is not for the faint-hearted. I do not take the the easy way to do anything. So um, I started by hiring a licensing um, agent. And I did think I was going to do, wanted to do licensing. But the more I started to learn about it and, you know, everything that, everything that it meant and, and, and the, what the upside was financially and everything, I, I did, I just didn't know really if that was going to be something that that would would be worth it for me at that at that point after doing a lot of investigating a lot of meetings and things like that and i started to realize that you know what i could do this myself because <laughs> i did it i've done it so many times in my life so um i i i typically do things i, I don't really plan them out and and have a whole business plan and, I, and i'm going to plot it out i really started doing it I just jumped in. It's just my nature. So um, like, for example, like with rugs, like you as a designer, you're working with many different vendors and you probably, you know, have your top and then, you know, for whatever the project is. Did you go to your resources and say, I have an idea. Let's work together. Is that how you did it? Well, that sounds like it would be a, a really great way to go. Except that you can't, you really have to put in, I didn't have the business plan ahead of time, but when I decided to do it and jump in, that's when my investigative um, aspect of it came in. You can't just necessarily go with the people that you already know. You really have to get a real lay of the land. You have to really understand who the different players are, what the different options are. The people I was doing business with, those would have been licensing deals. And I did start to talk to two different companies in rugs specifically about licensing and all. Um, but I, I had to form new relationships with different types of vendors to do all of my five collections. Because, you know, 
working with somebody that that's, that's wholesaling or to, working with the trade, that really they're geared more to doing a licensing deal than doing a deal because my pricing is very competitive. You know, it's uh, in some ways it's less than the people I was doing business with for my design business. Um, my trade pricing is less. So I, I think that you really have to investigate, know who, you know, who the different players are, what the options are, be really clear. Like I, I, I my, my business plan came into effect once I decided to do it. I shouldn't have said so glibly that I didn't have one. I didn't decide beforehand what I was doing. But once I decided what I wanted to do, you really have to. It could be a big mistake to do it with one vendor, one manufacturer or one workroom over another. So you have to know um, who you, who your market is, what price points you want to be in, not just what you can design and what look you want and what colors. That's the least of it. The business end of it. Can you make that work? Because that ha- it's everything from, you know, what's your look going to be? What's your differentiator in the market? What's your price points? Who, who is who you're selling to and how are you going to market that? You have to answer those questions when you go into that, because even if you have great collections, how are you marketing? Are you showing at High Point? Are you going to have another showroom somewhere else? Are you going to be doing only to the trade, retail into the trade now with all the e-commerce? You know, it's a lot of decisions to make. So you have to you have to really decide uh, what, what your vision is and how you're going to implement it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> this past year, lots of changes. So I, I love you to talk about um, so a new e-com site open uh, to the trade and the public um, with lots of good blogs and just, it's like a fun place to visit. So why did you, why did you open up an e-com platform? <laughs> How did that okay. come to be? <laughs> so um, I, I already told you that I've always wanted to have a bigger platform. And and back in like 99, 2000, 2001, I was trying to launch a company called Robin Baron Home, which was a whole different concept that if it had not been 9-11, we were in the middle of talking. I'd raised um, significant money with angel investors. I had already started the VC route. And, you know, in those days, it was it was a it was like a wild market in the VC community. And um, the Internet was really just emerging. and I. September 11th hit. And so the whole thing fell apart. I tried to keep it going for a year more, but it was just impossible. So um, that was a very big concept. It was an internet-based concept. It was home furnishing sold on the internet. And everybody, but everybody, and every man in High Point, everybody, because there's only men in High Point at that time, said, are you out of your mind? You cannot sell home furnishings, furniture, sofas. You cannot sell these things online. You're out of your mind. And so within the industry, I had a lot of pushback, but I didn't care because I knew, I just knew. So, um, but with September 11th, all the VC money dried up. It was a big marketing play. It was creating something very different than what was out there. And it, it, it did take deep pockets. And, and um, I, had, I had really, you know, done everything I could at that point. So in 2002, I had, a, I had to close that. But in my mind, I always had my design firm, but this was in addition. But in my mind, I always wanted to do something like that. Okay, so that concept is very different than what I'm doing now. But what's the same is that it's internet-based. It's reaching a wider audience. And it's about opening the world of interior design 
and really making it accessible and empowering people through their home. And that that part is the, the, the philosophy is, is similar. So I've always had it in my mind. I wanted to, with the product side I was doing with my, my own designs, I wanted to do a shop on my site. And Yudi and I had spoken about it. And then we thought, well, you know, COVID hit. And we thought, well, why don't we think about doing the shop now? And we can expand it a little bit more and add, a, you know, some other, you know, vendors. And and once you get me going, baby, I'm going. And so the whole thing started to, you know, come into clear picture for me. And, and I just took off with the concept. So the concept is that it is, um, it's the best of the best products vetted by, by, you know, a veteran, you know, celebrity interior designer with the best of the best information and uh, education for you. So you, the consumer, can make the best choices you can for your home. So it's filled with great product and all kinds of tips, tricks, advice, and services to help you have the, 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 the best home you can so that your confidence can begin at home because it does begin at home. That's the first thing we do when we wake up. That's why it's my tagline. First thing in the morning we wake up, last thing at night when you go to bed, your home is what you see and it makes you feel good about yourself or it can and it should. So um, all the products are white labeled. So um, it's only my name. I get products from all kinds of vendors from all over the world and um, everything is giving back to the consumer. So in my descriptions of every product, you have a Robin Says. It's a little bit of either insight or advice or something a little bit for each product because every step has something to give back. Um, and then we have a lot of enrichments. I have resident experts. Uh, right now we have 10 of them and they're in different related fields, whether it's feng shui, whether it's home organization or art. Those, those resident experts, you go on, on that section and you get their bios, you get their tips, of, of their own tips. Um, but we're going to be having blog posts coming out, videos coming out with them. It's going to be much more interactive. Right now, the site is in the, the, the you know, its first iteration. We're already working on the expansion over the next few months. Um, and one of our resident experts for color and paint is Sherwin Williams. Mm -hmm. And so I developed um, this section called Colorways. And I use the Sherwin Williams colors. And you could see what colors uh, look like with the actual uh, example of what it looks like in a room with a photograph and then some product selections. And those colorways are also going to be more interactive as we as we move forward. So people can look for color, for different expert advice. Um, uh, my tips of the trade are coming out in about two weeks. So I'm going to have tips of the trades and videos and, and digital downloads and lots of enrichments for the consumer, as well as fabulous product that's not about price or look, because we have things that are inexpensive. We have things that are expensive. It's about the best products that are out there. And um, right now you shop by product, but in the next few weeks, we're launching shop by room and shop by style, and we'll have a style guide. So we're really um, working to, you know, really help, you know, add a lot to a shopping site. It's not just product. Right. It's really about information as well. And we also do services and also mentorship for the trade. So you register for to be a trade member, you get your discount, and there's mentorship that you can sign up for. It's at a reduced hourly rate from from my from my other rates because I want to give back to to the community that I love so much. 
And um, so there's mentorship. And then there will be other resident experts that are only for the trade. Um, but yes, you register to get access to everything. But I, I'm going to have reg, um, resident experts that are strictly for the trade that can that can mentor in either, you know, marketing or or whatever. I'm, I'm putting that together as we speak. I, I love this. I want to be there for the community. You want to what? I want to be there for the community, you know, the design community, too. What I was going to say is, you know, this site seems to really be pulling on like all your talents at the moment, you know. So, um, you know, from your 30 years having interior design um, business, you've got, you know, you've got beautiful uh, imagery from your portfolio. Your design services are still available, right, for people that want to come. But it seems to me, and I'm curious, are you still... How much time do you see yourself devoting to that part of your business? Because as a whole, because I feel like this website is so creative for you. You're strategizing all your partnerships. It's like you're orchestrating something much bigger than a design business per se. So like what percentage are you designing now? (laughs) You know, I, I, it's an interesting thing. And I think that it will ebb and flow into, into different percentages as we move forward. I have certainly during COVID, um, I, I didn't spend as much time on design because the we were, we were all cloistered at home and it was limited in terms of the kind of work that I typically do. There was work that was finishing with clients, but we really couldn't go to sites and construction had stopped and, and all of that. So um, it, uh, allowed me to spend the time I needed to put this new concept together. I could not have done this unless it was COVID during COVID because how could I stop my business, you know, to, to put all of my resources and time and energy into this. So um, it, I did, wasn't as busy last year, but I, I am working with new clients now and finishing up other clients. I'm spending an enormous amount of time on the new business it's a good thing I don't sleep very much. <laughs> I do work seven days and I do work almost 24-7 uh, to launch this. Um, but it, it just depends. You know, my, my I think that um, I'm probably, it's a hard percentage because some weeks are, are, are 50% the design clients and some weeks are 10% and it keeps varying. But um I am focused on the new work I take in needs to be bigger clients and it has to really be something I want to do, to be honest with you. A little more um, selectivity. Do you feel like now you have another business you can, yeah. Well, I will when we, you know, right now it's the nascent stages, so it's not like it's supporting me yet. You know what I mean? I'm being honest, it, it takes a while to build that up, but um, the design firm still, you know, pays the bread and butter, you know, but um as this starts to take off, I do expect to do less design. Honestly, I, I I will take on the bigger clients, the ones that, 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 that excite me. Um, But I am offering for the first time, you know, with my, my career, I would, you could never have hired me honestly by the hour or by the room. I just never did that. I only did large projects. So now you can do by the hour and by the room. And I am doing those because I really want to show that I'm involved with this and I really want to help you. So I'll do those. Uh, as we grow, I would expect my staff to do more of the hourly and the by the room. The by the room is more of an e-design thing. But for now, I really want to give it my all. And I really want that to be clear to people. So I am um, doing all of that. But but my eye is on this business in terms of the future. 
and to keep my design firm um, specialized with exciting projects. So it seems like, I mean, with, with COVID really being like the engine that propelled this, I mean, it had been a thought for a long time, and but that propelled it and grew it to where it's at right now and growing again. Um, it seems like it all happened really fast. I mean, was it like totally fast tracked? Like, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, really, I had thought about doing a shop on my site pre-COVID because I just wanted to dip my toes in, and we were so busy with the design firm, I couldn't have done this or thought about doing this realistically. But when COVID hit, oh my God! As I said, we just the the, the as soon as the the foot hit the pedal, the gas pedal all the ideas started flowing in and, and every day there were new things. And it, it just, it definitely, it, to launch this in just a matter of months, like literally, let's say, let's say we started really working on it. The ideas were March, then more April. And then by May, we were really working on it. June, it was, we were with the web development team. So that's pretty fast to do something really big concept. And that's why we launched it the way we did. It's not fully blown out yet. Because it would have taken another six months to do that. I wanted to get it up. So we got it up in the in the most basic stage it's going to be. And then over the next six months, it's really going to be expanded out into the full-blown um, concept. Like choosing a web developer, that seems like a, a scary process to say, you're going to be it. Um, was that, did, how many different companies did you look at? Or, you know, how did you find your web developer? So... You know, I always trust the universe, Jane. I do. And so I trusted the universe and there they were. Make a long story short. And and I want you to know that the web development team came through beauty. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I that I that's the simplest way I can tell you. I did not interview a hundred. I have done that before in my life. I, I understood the language of everything. Um UD knew them and connected us and boom, it was just the right, the right partner, the right thing at the right time. Well, talking about the universe, um, I think I was, as I do with anybody that I'm going to talk to for the podcast, I stalk, you know, Instagram <laughs> and, and things like the night before. Um, but I know you, you are like, I'm a manifester, like you manifest things. How, yeah. how come you're so good at it? So I, this is like really where I live. Um, first of all, I meditate every day. I've been doing TM, Transcendental Meditation, since I'm 17 years old. So now, is it every day of my whole life since I'm 17? Oh, there have been times, months, maybe even a couple of years. I didn't do it over time, of course. But I do, I do typically meditate every day. Um, I have a, a gratitude practice. I think gratitude is really important. And um, so every morning before I pick up my 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 phone and start, because once I do that, I'm down a black hole and I'm not meditating. That's what happens. Those are the days I miss. So I, I do my my 20 minutes of meditation in the morning with TM. Then I do my gratitude. Um, and that really helped. And part of that is I also um, when you when you when you do visualize, you visualize it already happening. Okay, not how, but that it's already happened, you know. So I, that's part of my daily practice. And I do vision boards. And I, I can tell you a, a story about manifesting that's very tangible in a minute. But I think that that's, 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 that's how I do it. And I think positive. And I, but I, that's, 
thinking positive is not something that I do because I have to. I, like I said, it's like I have a um, um, uh, what one of those uh, what what are you swimming? You know, a um, <laughs> a life jacket. You're wearing a life jacket that keeps you buoyed in the water. It's like I have a permanent life jacket, sort of. You know, so so I, I it's just my nature to be positive. So I, I am I am almost always positive. Looking at the at looking at what can be transmuted to positive if it's not positive, and I think that the meditation, the visualization, and the gratitude that's that that is manifestation. That's how you manifest. And I will give you this tangible example because when I bought this townhouse that I live in now, I had seen it a year before I bought it, and it was ridiculously expensive, and it was out of my price range, and I wasn't doing it. So I don't know. I, when I went into it to look at it, I knew it was my house. I knew that. I always know that with real estate. And I put on my vision board the price I wanted to pay. It was ridiculously, it wasn't like it was 10% less. I'm talking like 50% less than it was. I put it on my board and a year later, I get a phone call. The house didn't sell. Do I want to see it again? I said, I only want to see that this is my price. That's my price. Jane, I bought it at that price. And that was my vision board. So if I ever needed the universe to tell me, visualize what you want, that was it. Okay. When you say your gratitude practice, is that a, a journaling sort of thing? So I hate journaling. I do. I know how beneficial it is. I understand that. I've done journaling workshops. I just do not vibe with it. So no, I do have a gratitude book on my on my, on my my dresser. Because I'm a nightstand because I think intention is everything. And so my intention is that it's there because I have gratitude. But no, I do it more as a visualization, prayer, kind of meditation thing. Okay. Um, that's what I do. I just, I just can't, I can't, I just, and, and the ironic thing is that on my website, my new, my new website, I had to write every single solitary word for everything. And I, and I am working with writers, but I am a little bit of a control freak. I have to rewrite everything anyway, but okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's your voice. It's your voice that's coming through, you know. So I'm writing a lot now. I mean, like enormously. The last year I've written, I can't even tell you. But it's it's not, I don't, I don't, I don't vibe with it. Hey, you know, but you've got some study that you're doing and it's, yeah, journaling is not for everybody. So um, I've got, I've got my crystals just yonder and a chair that I set up to meditate. And I started um but I'm, I've, it's majorly interrupted. So, absolutely. Well, that's why I love TM. Just a little pitch for TM is it's 20 minutes twice a day, and it's it's not a big commitment. You know, I've done a lot of meditating workshops and stuff. An hour. If I had to meditate for an hour every morning, uh, I'm not doing. Well, I'm it. talking five minutes. I'm talking about I did these quick, like maybe seven minute meditations. It was in a group on Instagram Live in November, and there were a couple people from from my community here. Um, when I say my community, I mean like designers today community that did it with me. And uh, it was great. I loved it. We did it every day for a week. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did you feel different? Did it, did it change anything? I, no, not really. no, not really. I mean, I'm not, I wish I could say yes, Robin, it did, but <laughs> <laughs> well, not I yet. I, I think it takes more time, but I was, what I did love was getting on and knowing, because you could see who was joining, knowing that, you know, certain friends were there with me doing it. So I think I've always been like with exercise, I like to go to a class. I, right. I'm more motivated with somebody. So, um, but it, yeah. yeah, so it's, 
Just well, you, <laughs> well, you can tell, like, like Yudi can tell if, if, if I haven't meditated for a few days, he'll say, mm, you haven't been meditating, have you? You could tell because when I'm meditating, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty centered and, and I have so much going on all the time that if I don't meditate, you can sort of see me spinning out of control. You know, like, like my mind is working too quickly. I'm not paying attention to everything as way I should. It, it, it's evident. I mean, you've been doing it for a long time, so you you are in tune. Do you ever get bored? I'm bored now with COVID, you know, like not, I'm so busy doing all of this, but like, I can't, there's nothing left for me to watch on TV. I can't binge anything. There's nothing left on Hulu, Amazon or Netflix. So like when I do have any downtime, which is usually like very late at night, like from 11 to one or two in the morning. Uh, what do I do? I've watched TV. I can't call anybody. There's no more zooming. There's, you know, so um, I'm, 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 I'm just because of COVID, you know, I've never watched so much move, so many movies, so much TV. So, um, but typically, no, I, I don't think, I don't think, I definitely don't think life is boring. I think, you know, people could be boring, but not, not life. <laughs> I mean, when you, after having an active day and working, you know, on this business and do you feel like, that like the Hulu, the Netflix, like you just love to unplug and get off into some great, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's the only time my mind's not working. Mostly, anyway. You know, oh, look, and- come on! I, I'm sure if you've seen like I just I just um finished Bridgerton, so oh loved it. You know, I mean the sets, the costumes, like the you sex. Know. No, no, it's the sets. The sex. <laughs> the Duke. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I can't wait till the next step. The next yeah, me season. Too, me too. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Um, so I also would just love to hear a little bit about um, your Robinisms, which I love. I mean, this is part of your positive self, um, but I love that you've coined these phrases that you just feel that are so you Robinisms. Um, so confidence <laughs> begins at home is like, you know, sort That's of the tagline tag is Robinism. Yeah. yeah. Um, are these just, are Robinisms the things that just roll off your tongue that you just. Yeah, a hundred percent. They do. I've had them for years. I've had, we've had this list of Robinisms for years, but now I have a platform to use them. Yeah. I love them. I, I'm, I'm really happy that I can finally use them, you know, because I have been collecting them. You know, first the staff started to do it years ago and then then it became a thing and we started to, you know, I always have something to say, Jane, you know that. <laughs> Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to share? Is there anything that I've majorly skipped over? I mean, I know I, I'm sure I skipped a lot, but anything that. Um... I think you did a really great job, Jane. You started me all the way back in the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, we have to get some context, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. You know, you know, it, it, it's what I love about our industry, really, is I love the people. And I love that, you know, because we're creatives, even if we're business people, we're creatives. There's that human side and we get to know each other and talk. And like, this has been really beautiful for me because I don't feel like I'm being interviewed. I feel like we're, we're just we're talking as friends and getting to know each other better. It's, it's, it's you, you're really good at this. Oh. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, the gift to me is, you know, talking to people like you who are open and share. And um, I mean, it's always an enriching experience for me. So oh, that's great. That's great. 
Well, I, I don't think you left anything out. I think, you know, I think the the the, the big thing, the big thing I, I'd love to leave people with is that, you know, it's really important to to dream and to 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 just know that you can do what you want to do. Like, like don't be held back by people saying no or it's 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 not the right time. Use your gut and go for what it is that's important to you. If it's important to you, you're gonna make it happen. And and I I I think that's a really important thing for all the professionals and and people in the trade that are that may be listening right now is that you you may not be able to have it all at one time, but you can create it so that you can have it all over the course of time. And I think that that's really important that you go for what you want in life. Thanks so much for listening to Seb. I sincerely hope you got something of value from the podcast that feeds your brain and fills your heart. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're in the interior design trade and related industries and would like to sign up for a complimentary subscription to the printed or digital magazine, visit designerstoday.com right now and sign up. Until next time.